0: Alright guys, welcome to today's show and on the show with me today I've got Dylan Thetford and Dylan is a guy who got into whitetail hunting fairly recently. I mean he grew up bass fishing and doing a lot of that stuff but now he is officially caught the whitetail bug. He travels all over the country and spends weeks and weeks and weeks hunting uh, both in his home state and as a non-resident in other states. And so, It's a great conversation today. I hope you all enjoy it and take a lot away from it. And I hope you guys are listening to this in those random times where you actually have to be at work instead of being out in the woods, because I know most places have seasons actively open right now, whether it's elk, mule deer, whitetail, uh, geese, ducks, doves. I think early teal is open in a lot of different places, but my mind is almost completely white-tailed deer at this point in time so anyways we're gonna hop into this show right now i hope you enjoy because it is a good one
1: like he was doing things that were just badass
0: that was one of the coolest moments of my life
1: i was really scared
0: but knowing that Dan had the gun i did have the rifle like we would be okay Alright guys, welcome to today's show, and on the show with me today, I'm joined by Dylan Thetford. Dylan, welcome to the show.
1: What's going on man, thanks for having me.
0: Man, we've been we've been already talking for like 15-20 minutes about just hunting stories and getting busted by deer, crazy shots, um, and we're going to just keep right. rolling with it, but before we do that, do you want to just share with people a little bit about yourself, what do you do, where are you from, kind of how you got yeah. into hunting?
1: So uh, I'm Dylan Thetford, I'm a 23 year old who tries to act like he hunts sometimes, and uh, I started really hunting. So I grew up fishing tournaments. I've um, been fishing since I was two, and then fish tournaments all through high school. I had college offers to go fish, and decided to not go to college and go to fire academy instead. So I think I had three college offers to fish, turn them all down, and. And went to Fire Academy. Well, I quit fishing because I didn't have a boat. I lost access to all the boats I had, so I started hunting. And then at Fire Academy, I had a buddy that had 1,200 acres that no one hunted. Hunted it, but I never hunted on my own. So I didn't know what I was doing. First year, I think we had 12 deer over 130 inches, and I never shot one just because I didn't know what I was doing. And then next year, we lost the place. Well, I ended up getting hired on a fire department down by Houston and didn't have money to pay for a hunting lease because in Texas, All our, if you want to hunt private land, you got to pay $3,000 a year and you're sharing a thousand acres with 10 guys and it's just stupid. Yeah. So I didn't do that because I knew I'd been spoiled as far as private properties, considering it was 1,200 acres to myself. <laughs> So I wasn't gonna find that again, and I almost got on a buddy's place that was thirty five hundred a year, but it's thirty five hundred acres with like eight guys. You can sit in each other's stands, and every time you go there, you're seeing twenty deer, like a sit. But it's just there. There's nothing big, and they're real particular on how they should make, they manage. So and yeah. it's five and a half hours away. So I just wasn't what I wanted. I had a buddy say, hey, "Just start hunting public land." I'm right by uh, Sam Houston National Forest. I said, man, I've never hunted public land. I've barely ever hunted. I don't know how to do this. And he's like, watch the hunting public. I watched the hunting public, found out about Onyx. I was like, oh, I can can see boundary lines on my phone. All right, I can do this. It's fine. Started looking into it. And the first year I lived here, I was living an hour and a half away from the public land. I was living closer to work and went out 10 days in October. Saw like five deer. And it rained pretty much every day. I was like, this sucks. I hate this. I hate hunting. I'm gonna go buy a (laughs) boat and start fishing again. Well nothing happened. I moved closer to the forest and further from work. So now I live an hour and fifteen minutes from work, but I live twenty five minutes from the forest. And I had never like didn't have a desire to hunt whatsoever. Then like June rolled around. I was like, what's this This feeling in my stomach makes me want to go hunt? Get bit by the hunt bug hard and just started scouting and then sam Houston national forest for anyone who's hunted it you know what i'm talking about and if you haven't hunted it uh walk through a jungle close your eyes and just imagine there's no deer because that's what it is it sucks <laughs> the deer density is duper low it's similar to from what i've seen to public lands in alabama it's big pine thickets that they harvest and there's oaks every now and then but Thorns are crazy. All your under, like your duff layer is super high. Your canopy is just real thick. So it's the only place I've been where you can walk seven miles and not see a deer. And I've done that consistently. Where you go scout and you're, my most is 13 miles in a day there and we didn't see a deer. Seven miles, no deer. I think I've maybe seen a handful of rubs. I've never seen a scrape. But I've also never hunted it past October. It's a place where I hate it. But the first year I like hunted it hard when I lived here after that little year where I just hunted 10 days and didn't really know what I was doing. I shot a buck there on October 13th. And he came in. It was on a hunch. But it was that, that hunch that made everything click. Like if you're hunting public land, and I'm sure it goes for your hunting in general. It sucks and it's a struggle, but once you kill one, it clicks. Yeah, something clicks and it changes. You're like, okay, everything starts to fall into place once you get that first one. And I, I mean, I fully believe whatever it is. The more you hunt, the more you kill, you get an instinct. Mm -hmm. It's just a predator instinct. Like you, I've hunted, I've killed bucks on places where you sit and you look, and you're like, there's hardly anything here that's telling me to hunt. But something's telling me to hunt here.
2: Yeah.
1: I get, I get in that story a little later because that was kind of funny. Um but had this on the walk out, there's this field and they have uh, beauty berries. Still have those? No, we don't. So they're I mean, smaller than a pea. And okay. They're purple. And they grow on a leaf and the leaves almost look like sumac. And the deer, it's like crack. If you can find a place that has acorns and beauty berries, that's where I hunt. I won't hunt a place that just has a, uh, oaks, and I won't hunt a place that just has beauty berry. But I've noticed too, the beauty berry disappears before the oaks do. For the acorns, okay, they love them. Uh, on this walk in to where I was hunting, there's this field. Well, opening day, the walk out right after dark, there were two bucks in it. I was like, all right, cold front blew through. I was like, I bet that's going to push them out in this field just before daylight or before last light. And I didn't see anything or I had seven, dough that I almost had a shot at. They were like 40. I went to draw. They busted and they ran out. I was mad. I was like, whatever, it's stupid. I've got 10 minutes left of legal light. I haven't seen anything else. I'm getting down put my bow down and typically at that time i just had a separate bow rope that wasn't like now mine's attached to my saddle but that one i just had a something that wrapped around and normally Mm -hmm. i throw the bow rope once my i don't have to worry about a rope i'm getting down for some reason i kept it i put it in my back pocket i turn around i start taking it down my bow holder and everything i look over and i see this buck walking down the road i'm like oh i'm trying to pull my bow back up behind this pine tree i'm in without hitting the pine tree without moving because it's last light early season no wind get it up just redrop the rope and i turn back around knock an arrow and he's gone i'm like uh ah, whatever he must have seen me kind of turn around and he walks out i'm like oh he's still here and he looks like a big one that's the first i've never shot a buck but i'm like that's a that's a good one. yeah comes in and he's like all right i know right now he's a 64 he starts walking towards me. I'm like, okay, he's coming in and he stops at 52 and I'm a shoot archery. Like the whole, everyone argues ethical range or whatever my ethical range and what someone else's is. If I shoot all the time and I can shoot a group that's the size of a Coke can lid at 60 and you can do that at 30. What's the difference in your ethical oh, yeah. range versus my, it shoot the same. So I've, shot out to 100 quite a bit and shoot 60 to 80 pretty regularly when I shoot just because I like long range archery and I just love archery. 52 turns broadside, shoot, and it's loud. And I've never killed a buck with a bow. I've never killed a buck. I've only killed like three deer with a bow. And I was like, oh, I hit a tree. That was loud. It sounded like a gunshot going off.
2: That that down. Impact.
1: Yeah, it was the diaphragm. That loud diaphragm pop, but I'd never heard it before. I was like, "There's no way that arrow hitting that deer made that sound. (laughs) That was like stupid loud." I get down because later I kind of start, and I'm like, "There's no tree behind it. Like, there's no way I hit a tree unless the arrow did something and hit a tree that's ten feet to the left. I didn't hit a tree, and I saw where he went into a. The patch of woods, and then I heard some crashing. I thought it was just him going through the brush. Well, I walked down, and he didn't go but 35 yards and was right there on the edge of the field. And by the time I got to him, he shrunk a lot. Like, that's – I learned – my first year hunting, I learned ground shrinkage is a real thing. And it's a real Because <laughs> it was not – I thought this deer was huge. And I got up to it. And I was like, what is this? Like, he may not even – is he 13 inches? Because our deer have to be 13 inches wide. So, outside the ears. Oh, Yeah like 14 but I walked up and I never like I said never killed a buck I was like oh man he's he might not I'm a man's Game warden so I went and bought a measuring tape I was like okay he's legal I'm good but the whole afterwards was the biggest pain and I'd do it all over again but I didn't want to quarter it and just leave it in the cooler I want to take it to a processor because I used to work at a process plant up by Oklahoma when I lived up there and That's what I know. Shoot a deer, it takes the process. So I called probably four processors around me and none of them had an after hour drop off. None of them. And I was like, Oh my God. All right. So I um, ended up calling one of my buddies who lived in Ennis, which is just outside of Dallas. And I was like, Hey, look, I don't have anywhere else to drop this deer off. I got to work. I got to leave for work Five in the morning. So I got I'm dropping this deer off at your place. Fill out a transfer or game form, and just takes the processor for me. That's thirty minutes from your house. I said okay. So I dropped off. By the time I got there it was midnight. My time I got home it was like two thirty. Had to shower and then wake up at four thirty to get ready to go to work and leave five. It was horrible. I was so tired.
0: That's the life of a hunter, man. <laughs> it's uh. every fall rolls around and I feel like I'm sleep deprived going into season. And then I realize what actual sleep deprivation is. I,
2: Oh yeah.
0: There's times where I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to go out this evening. And when you shoot a, when you shoot a deer at last light, I mean, it turns into an all night affair. And then you may have plans to go out again the next morning or have something else going on the next morning. And, no. Yeah, that or happened to me the, the other evening. night. I got like three hours of sleep.
1: Yeah. Now, if I shoot a deer in the morning or in the evening, all morning plans are canceled. I'm sleeping, yep. which I've never so I don't hunt mornings, um, especially early season. When you're hunting a mature buck, nine out of ten times they're already back in bed by the time the sun comes up because yeah. they're you know especially early season, and late season it's bed to feed, feed to bed, so. Once mid to late October gets here and that heavy pre-rut kicks in all the way up until the end of November, I'll hunt all day sits. But early season, early, I just I've never seen a deer in the mornings. I've never killed deer in the mornings. But that's just my experience. Like in North Dakota that whole time I never once hunted the morning in fourteen days. Dang. And everyone I've talked to said that they weren't seeing deer in the mornings. So am I gonna wake up early? be tired and get in there and have low winds that swirl. So my scent's going everywhere and possibly bump deer with my headlight walking in because early season two, especially if you're hunting a mature buck, if you're not a hundred yards from their bed, you're probably not going to see them. They yeah. don't move a lot They where they have water, food and cover and they're not really going to leave. They don't have reason to early season yeah. until it's cool at night. And then they will. But it just is really, really uncommon for you to get a shot unless you're right there at his bed. And you can see him get up and do they'll, – they'll move 20, 30 yards at a time, but they always go back to bed. But they're up a lot throughout the day. Yeah. So it's, it's just my experience. I just haven't had luck with it until late October. And then I'll start doing all day sets.
0: Man, I'm so bummed because I kind of had a game plan for this season, and then a buddy of mine was like, hey, let's plan an elk trip out to Colorado. I was like, all right, cool. You know, I've got preference points and stuff. I'll put in for a mule deer tag as well. Well, then I drew my mule deer tag, and he's like, all right, hey, let's go out for second rifle. Well, second rifle is typically the last week of October. And I'm like, all right. Mm Mm-hmm that's good. We'll go out. We'll come back. We'll have, we'll go from elk and mule deer hunting right back to whitetail hunting, like peak of the rut first week of November. And then I look at the dates this year and second rifle goes from like, I want to say it's the 29th of October to like the sixth or seventh of November. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Every, every daytime buck I had, last year on camera that I didn't see in person was like the second third or fourth of November and now I'm gonna miss all of that oh no yeah so that's all right
1: See, that's that's another thing too I don't run cameras I used to like I used to be real big cameras in control I don't use a year old now yep like I use cameras all The way up until last year, last year was the first year I don't really use them because I, I rely too heavily on them. And then I sat right next to one of my cameras, watched 14 deer walk by, and not a single one of them made them on camera. Mm-hmm. And normally I watch, I look at the camera, I'm like, oh, there's no deer here, I'm you know, discouraged, whatever, and walk off. But that moment clicked, I was like, just because just they're not on camera doesn't mean they're not here. That's I go yeah. off sign more than then pictures like if there's sign but i don't have any pictures on my camera those cameras are defective all the time oh, something yeah. goes out and they're out of range they walk next to it because they learn especially if you're putting them at eye level those deer know what it is they can see the glow just like yeah. we can
0: i think i mean i use the cameras to aid in my hunting but i never use i never let them deter me from hunting an area you know because like you said if, they can yeah. walk all over the place and be within range, Oh yeah, but you just might not catch them on camera, and they are defective. I went out the other day, and out of the four cameras I had set up, I only had three of them, or I only had one of them that functioned properly. Three of them messed up to some degree. One of them didn't have a single picture of deer, and I'm like, I walk in right at the camera. It should have at least got me, and it didn't have any pictures on the card. Add full battery still. I'm like, what? I don't know. So what I just, camera? what was that? What camera? It's a, well, that one is a free Amazon camera. A company reached out oh. and they were like, Hey, would you be willing to do a review if we send you a free product? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so sure. they gave me like this whole page. They're like, go to this page, check out what products we have. And they had this led like touchscreen trail camera And I'm like, this thing's going to be cheap and crappy. But it said it was like 20 megapixel photos and like 4K video. And I was like, yeah, whatever. It shows up and it was phenomenal. Like the picture, the video quality is amazing. It's got a super wide angle lens. And so like you catch everything in front of it. But the only issue is I can't figure out the um, sensitivity on it. No matter if I set it at high or low, I get... 3,000 pictures of clouds moving, the wind blowing, and it drives me crazy because I'm like yeah. thumbing through pictures. I had to get a 256 gigabyte SD card because it was filling yep. up with the 4K video, it was filling up those 64 gig cards like in a day. Videoing the sundown. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, I mean, I love it. I I love setting out trail cameras. I I'm the same as you. I don't do any scent control, like I'm as stinky as I can be. Like any time I go out there, but I'm yep. also hunting private land where the deer get used to it. Like the deer mm-hmm. know my smell, and they don't as- associate me with danger at all. I like yeah. the the doe that was underneath me, what five days ago now. She could smell me. There's no way she couldn't. Like, she walked right past where where I walked in. She definitely mm-hmm. caught me there. But I've been out checking cameras, and I'll be, like, pulling a card on one and look over, and there's a doe, doe at 40 yards just standing there watching me check my cameras. And you can't get away with that on public land all the time. Like, you just have to play the wind well. But yeah, I typically have, like, a one one general direction for wind from – my main stand that I sit in and it's it, it like cheats the deer's nose almost. Right. Because if my, if my wind is blowing at zero degrees straight down the fence line, the deer are coming in at like seven degrees from the fence line. Uh, And so it's like, it's just missing them and they think, Uh, Oh man, I'm heading straight into the wind, but it's just enough off that, I, I shoot almost every one of my deer within a five-yard circle of the others.
1: Huh. So that's kind of funny. Yeah, I've, and that's, man, I learned so much. Like, because I'd always thought deer walk one to their face. I hardly ever see deer walk with one at their face. Like every deer, especially. So last year I shot three bucks. My first one was aged at six and a half. The second one was five and a half, and the third was between five and five and a half based on teeth. Um, I mean, they were, you could tell even just looking out, they were all old, especially my Texas buck was ancient. Like East Texas deer normally aren't huge. This deer field dressed probably at 175, 200. Nice. Huge. We hung them up from my buddy's garage to uh, quarter them. And from hoof to hoof was ceiling to floor. He was so long. And he was so that was a cool deer. He had on his look at the mount real quick on his right side, he has an extra molar. So Hmm. it's three molars in a line, an extra molar that grows on the inside, and then it goes back to the line and continues with the rest of his teeth. That's crazy. And he hardly had any of his bottom molars left and then i shot um one in oklahoma last year i shot two but oklahoma last year was um the most trying hunting trip i've ever had like that's if you're gonna travel to hunt just don't don't if you're hunting public land don't give up like it sucks But eventually, if you keep pushing, something's going to give like it doesn't matter what you've been through, like how many crappy sits or days or whatever happened. As long as you keep getting out there, something eventually is going to happen. Yeah. So day one, we got to this property and I had been scouting this. I had three weeks off. I'll start with that. Um, Scouted this area by myself. had no plans of anyone coming with me. Buddy's like, hey, I want to come. All right, cool. Sure. Smooth. You you can have all the properties that I've done the research on and found, and here they are. You just hunt whatever you want. And he had just got out of the Marines, and he's my high school best friend. Uh, But he's just new to hunting. Yeah. And he's very hard headed. He needs to learn things the hard way. So, regardless of what I tell him, He's gonna do it anyways, so that he can get that same result and then he'll come back and like a, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then I'm pissed off. So I'm like, Yeah, I told you, I'm not <laughs> pulling stuff out of my butt. Like, I I'm saying this for a reason, it's because it's happened to me and I've learned it. But opening day, this main property just looks great. Get there and I literally tell him, I'm like, You sit here, look through your binoculars this way, I'm gonna go walk around. So he glasses, and I'm walking by. I end up walking eight miles on day one, just on this property. Uh, get back, and he's like, dude, I saw like seven or eight bucks. I was like, yeah, I saw a handful. Make a plan for that evening. I go in, set up a decoy, and I've never used a decoy. The last year, I was like, it's tail end of rut. Right. We'll see what happens. Just kind of for fun. Start seeing some deer. Were, were you then, using
0: a doe or a buck decoy?
1: Buck. Okay. So... Montana decoys, just so like 2D. Yeah, just a silhouette deal. Yeah. And this buck comes in at 90. He's nothing, you know, 110, 115 inch 8 point. Sees this decoy and bows up. Just puffs his chest out, ears pinned back. And I'm like, oh, that is awesome. <laughs> I've never seen this. And he just starts, he gets about 40 and he starts sidestepping. Real just aggressed. I'm like, oh, thank you, God. This is awesome. Day one of the trip. First hunt. This is great. I love this place. So I draw back and shoot and deflect off the last branch of my shooting lane at 25. Oh, no. I keep kidding. And he runs off, but he runs off to 40. And he stops and he looks at the decoy because he thinks this decoy did something. He didn't know what happened. Yeah. And he starts kind of walking off. He gets another gap, put another arrow and shoot. He's in my fifty gap, and I thought he was in my forty gap, so I shot under him. So I'm like, "Well, this sucks." <laughs> Walk off. My buddy said that he shot a buck, missed a buck, then shot a doe and hit a doe, and showed me his arrow, and it was gut. And I was like, "Man, I'm gonna be honest with you. I really don't like shooting does three quarters of a mile in on public land in the evening. Shooting <laughs> does is the worst thing it really is. I like I the last thing I want to do is stay up be tired for tomorrow looking for a doe yeah we looked for like an hour and a half it started raining she probably she was like pretty close to a property line so i think the doe made it over we never found it hardly found blood like i'm grid searching and he's following blood i come back he's 50 yards from where i left him and i'm like oh god yeah like this that sucks and that eight miles i walked i saw one set of boot tracks the entire eight miles on this property so it's unpressured yeah and i was like dude look this property's not pressured we just gave it more pressure in a day than it's had all season yeah go somewhere else in the morning let this place rest for five days and we'll come back he's like no, nope. now i'm going back i'm going back in the morning I'm like well you're not gonna see anything and he's wanting to sit field edged i'm like you're field edge isn't something you hunt in the mornings. It's an evening thing. They're already they're gonna one, see you walk through the field, two they're either in the field still or they're gonna be right where you're wanting to sit up. Like that's not you don't hunt fields in the morning. He didn't care. He went back in the morning. It's like, yeah, I got blown at walking in. I was like, I wonder who would have talked to that. And it's like I didn't see anything. Like, oh my god! He acts like I know what I'm talking about or something. Uh, but I got dressed. I slept in. Got dressed. Well, when I get dressed, I put my bow up against my truck tire. I pull it out. That's the first thing I do, pull my bow out, laying on the truck tire. I get dressed, and I walk up. I glass this. I can see three fields, not a single deer. I get pissed off, kind of like a, I told you so. Slam the door. Turn my truck on. I make it three feet and I hear a pop. Oh, no. Oh, no. Humbled me really quickly. I was like, Paul, I'm sorry. I'm a jerk. I I just ran my boat over. Got out. And it looks like it's in shape still. I'm like, oh, thank God. I pick it up and the limbs just fall in. And I'm like, oh. Oh. And part of me was like, Paul, I hate you. This is your fault. (laughs) It made me angry. Now, it wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have come. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? This is my fault. I'm an idiot. I was angry, and I like hunting alone because I like I don't like dealing with like you know other people because I can control what I do. Yeah. Same with fishing. I like tournaments by myself because if my partner messes something up, I have someone else to be mad at besides me. Yeah. If I'm gonna mess up and I'm going to screw something up, I want to I want to be responsible for it, not someone else or someone else's lack of experience is what causes me to fail. And it's just, I've always been kind of like that. So this is the first time I'd ever hunted with someone else. <sighs> and he walks up. It's like, what happened? I ran my bow over. You what? Yeah, you heard. You heard it right. I, um, I ran my bow over. Speaking of, he's trying to call me right now. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. Uh, um, this is on a Sunday, by the way, in western Oklahoma. Know how hard it is to find a bow shop that's open (laughs) in Oklahoma on a Sunday? My options. I sat there all morning. Also, I left my credit card at home. All I had was my, my debit card with not enough money to buy a bow on it. And so I'm having. I found two bow shops. One was in Kansas. One was in Oklahoma City. I was about three and a half hours from each.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: All right, and I had to wait for them to open. They didn't open till like noon. Called them, hey, do y'all take Apple Pay? Yeah, I'm on my way. Get there. H&H Shooting Sport, I think is what this place is called in Oklahoma City. And I walk in and I'm like, y'all are not going to believe this. I just kind of hold my bow up. And it was a prime logic, CT3, probably the favorite bow I've ever owned. And they all look at me and they're like, what did you do? I ran it over with my truck. There, like, I've never seen a bow with limbs actually snap in half. All four limbs snapped in half. Jeez. And I was like, yeah, well, that happened. And this is right after Black Friday. I look at the wall and there's maybe eight bows. Oh, no. My options are a Hoyt uh, RX4, a PSE uh, Expedite, I think some Botex maybe. That's it. There wasn't a lot. And half of them were left hand. Some were kids. I shot the Hoyt. I was like, man, this is a sweet bow. I just couldn't bring myself to spend $1,800 on it. Yeah. And last, the year before, I had shot a, a PSE Carbon Air. And that's the, between that and the logic, they're really close to my favorite bows. Because the, the carbon stealth is what I shot my first two deer with, like on public land, and it just shot super great. But I'm really hard on my equipment, and I cracked the riser. I don't know how. I mean, let me rephrase that. Earlier in the season, I fell on my bow. Uh, second day of season, it's like 100 degrees here. I clip a branch, like a big log, stepping over it. Both my hamstrings cramp up, and I fall flat down on my bow. I'm holding it.
0: Oh no. And-
1: Later in the season, I was on top of my first climbing stick. And that year, I had had three or four bucks walk up on me while climbing. So I had a D, uh, carabiner, small carabiner, kept it through my D-loop, kept my bow on my uh, tree harness. Yeah. So I could just clip it and try to shoot from a stick. It just rained. My stick was at an angle. I was using the Lone Wolf, so they're just a single-step
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: stick foot slipped off I fell from probably seven feet on my back onto my bow because I was in the, in the process of moving my lineman over a branch and picked it up it was fine but it just scared the crap out of me well then in like February I drew and heard it pop checked my limbs were fine shot it and then when I anchored my second shot I felt the crack on the front of the riser on the grip so I still it and then, Anyways, so I went from a PSC all season in 2019 and ended up saying, you know, I've shot a PSC before. I'm comfortable with them. I shoot good with them. So I got the expedite. Well, I got the expedite. got it all set up. The airs I was shooting, my fletching. So the expedites of five and a quarter inch brace speed bow. I use the AE Max Stealth. So they're like a 2.3 inch vein and I keep them pretty far forward. They sat on my rest. Oh, no. So I had to go out and I was like, and I had two, I had Black Eagle uh, Spartans is what I was shooting out of the prime that i ran over and then i had black eagle rampages yeah rampages um this is like a backup arrow just in case i needed something so i ended up just shooting the rampages well they ended up out of that expedite shooting the same speed as my other arrows were shooting out of my prime and they were like 40 grains heavier dang Oh, yeah. It was cooking. I was shooting like a 510 grain arrow at like 280 something, like 282. Oh, it was cooking. That's insane. And I didn't have to move my pins at all on the sight, though. It was already sighted in. It was great. But I had to sit in there, buy new blazer veins. They're real short ones. And I had to refletch my arrows because I was doing it in the parking lot. Then it started raining. So, I had to walk inside with all my fletching jig and everything. I'm like, I'm this is such a weird situation. I'm so sorry, guys. I need to fletch these. And they were like, here's a trash can. Like, these guys are probably gonna never stop talking crap about me. Like, they yeah. probably think people are idiots. Like, this is just such a weird situation that never happens. Like, I'm on an i and my bow I need to refletch my arrows. And then get everything set up. And the guy that was helping me, I don't remember his name, he was great though. Like super nice, he understood, he was cracking jokes with me the whole time. He was a big hunter himself. He went on, he's like, hey, I'm going to lunch. Are you? Can I go to lunch? And I was like, dude, you do whatever you need. Like, I don't want to keep you here. You go eat, whatever. I don't care. You come back, I'll be here. Trust me, I have nowhere else to go. And he left, came back. When he came back, I was like, dude, you're going to hate me. It's like, what? My rest broke. I was shooting a AE uh drop away. I didn't even know A E made rest is the prophecy, I think is what it's called. And uh he's like, well, What do you mean? I was like, It won't go down. It came up and it won't go down. And he's like, All right, let me look at it. I was like, Nope, no, just put a new one on there. Like I I don't wanna take the chance of getting out there three and a half hours away from y'all again, having that break and have to come back. Yeah. I ended up spending like $1,400 this bow shop that I didn't plan spending. So, got out, and it's – so, we were in western Oklahoma, like over here. Oklahoma City's here, and we had properties about two hours north, uh, right off of 35. So, instead of driving back three and a half hours, we were just going to go two hours north, check this stuff out while we were over here, and if we didn't like it, go back. Yeah. Three days saw four deer between two of us i didn't see a single one of them my buddy's the one that saw the deer but i had brought a 14 foot john boat with me because the main place i was hunting is on a river system um do you watch hunting public on youtube yep okay so when they were in oklahoma where jake shot his buck Mm -hmm. they pulled up topo map on onyx that's my main spot i had marked
0: that's awesome
1: like as soon as they pulled it on the uh the pull that map up i paused it i was like hold on <laughs> i recognize that yeah it's a saddle like you can't look past it on a map it's, it's a very clear saddle you go to a uh, satellite and there's crop fields around it and the river bends to the side of it and i had there's a guy i work with that hunts at a family farm in illinois so he hunts Ali's a big hunter and he had been looking at this spot too. He's like, Man, this spot looks great. Yeah. I paused I go get him, like, come here. Does that look familiar? And he just stops and he looks at it. He's like, What is this? So this is a hunting publics for their hunting. And he but he hunted it totally different than what I would have. Yeah. I was planning on hunting actual saddle and he hunted the outside flat leading into the backside of the saddle. Um but yeah, it was kind of cool. I was like, Well, at least I know I'm not a total idiot. So <laughs> I put the boat in the water. I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. I got it. I'm excited. I just put a brand new drive shaft in this boat because so I snapped the other one. I'm like this is gonna be fun. Put it in. I'm like, what's well, there water in the boat already? Oh no. And I see bubbles coming from the front. And I pull it back because I saw the rope, and I pull it back on the trailer and there's a hole in the front of the boat from where <laughs> I guess I kicked up a rock going down a gravel road, kicked up through the bottom of the boat. And I was like, Well this is awesome. I've got a Punk of junk basically a storage trailer with me now for the rest of this trip that i have to worry about flying <laughs> off and that same night pulled back into walmart got a flat on the boat trailer
0: jeez I got
1: day goes by I so when you say you're
0: hard on your equipment you're not messing around
1: <laughs> no but this like on this one i was like there's nothing i can do like i'm just driving like this john boats at 70 something Super thin, like, paper-thin aluminum on it. And so, they then got a flat on the other tire. And these tires were like the $50 tires of Walmart. Like, lawnmower tires, almost. They're super crappy. Yep. So, I ended up buying two of those. And then was like, all right, we're going back west. There's a snowstorm coming to tomorrow. And we're going to try to get there before the snow gets there. This is like day eight. <laughs> super frustrating. Like, you talk about discouraging. We got back over to where we came from. And as pretty much as we got into town, it started snowing. So I parked on this big 5,000-acre piece, and I was going to go walk it and look. <sighs> Didn't see anything, but I was like, I have one more property. It's like right at flashlight almost, like probably an hour left of legal light. Gets this property, and there's this big wheat field on private that borders public. Like, are those all deer? And I just see spots. There's, I pull my binos up, and you can barely see the snow's, like, coming in sideways. And I pull my binos up, and there's, like, 60-something deer in the wheat field in the middle of this snowstorm. Dude. I don't know how much snowed. Would, I would say it probably had to snow five or six inches in, like, four hours, which may not be a lot, but for someone from Texas, it's oh, a yeah. lot. And so this property is two like i would call them ridges mounds i guess you'd say uh then you get back to this creek that runs east to west on this property and feeds into this wheat field and there's a ridge system that drops off from the back side and then where you walk in from drops in so it's like this and they walk through there to the wheat field they bet on the public i'm like all right i bet they're traveling that just low spot in that Creek to get to the sweet field. By the time I get back there, there's an eight point pushing around some dough. And then there's, uh, another like handful of deer back there. And then it's in the light. I got back there just late, but I'm like, all right, I know where deer are now. Like I know where I'm going to kill a buck. Yeah. Left. Paul's like, Hey, I'm soaking wet. I mean, I'm soaking wet too. I'm getting a hotel. I'm like, I love you. You may make <laughs> me angry but I love because that's a great idea. So we get to the hotel, we jar stuff out, and he's like, Man, I think I'm leaving in the morning. <laughs> why? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go somewhere else. <laughs> why? Just discouraged. Okay. Like that sucks, but cool. He's like, You wanna come? Tell me where he was going. I looked at the success rates. It was like all season I think there had been like twelve deer shot there. It's <laughs> so like no. No. No, why? Why would I go somewhere that's like 20,000 acres and they've had less than 20 deer shot with a bow all year long. No, what? You have fun. I'm staying here where I've seen deer. And then the day he left, I ended up shooting uh, a buck that's just right outside of town. And this is where I went back to some, like, you kind of learn instinct. It doesn't look like anything. So I was walking, I was finding some sign not a ton just poop here and there but poop in late season is like a main thing I look for. Um and the snow had melted. This was probably two days later. Uh so tracks were fresh you still wouldn't see any rubs, no scrapes, no no buck sign. And I get to this bottom comes up into a big cedar flat. I'm like man, I bet they're bedded in there somewhere. Cause it drops out into a pretty open bottom. Yeah. And there's one worn out trail that goes up into the cedars. I'm like, all right, look over. There's a rub on like a twig. I mean like this thing's probably the size of a, a marker. This little limb that comes out. It's maybe 18 inches tall, but there's poop just everywhere. And I'm like, there's no buck signs. There's a lot of deer sign someone hunt it. I found this place at like 11 in the morning all day long didn't see a single deer until 30 minutes before the light ended i look up on the far edge and i see just a tank like i'm talking 140 inch 10 point just at the top staring down to this bottom and i'm like oh my god pull the bonos up oh my god just don't don't take your eyes off he's got to come down at this bottom yeah and he comes in and this strip of trees that he walked into is 10 feet wide. And I didn't see him walk out of either side, so I know he's still in there coming towards me. He's probably two, 300 yards away. And then I hear something snap to my left. I'm like, oh, no. kind of, There's no wind either. Pull my binos down and I look over, and I just see this tank of an eight. I'm like, oh, he's at 20 yards. Pull my <laughs> binos down, I grab a bow, and he's making a fresh scrape, like right in front of me, out of nothing, out of scratch. Just for going to the town. And he turns his head and he had snapped off his entire right side. Oh, man. Like, oh, no. Why? Like, he would have been so big. So I look back to the other one, the real big deer, and he's pushing deer, pushing does. And I can't see him, but I can hear him grunting and I can hear him running. And I see him pushing these two does. Well, they start to work off away from me. Well, that eight point starts to walk off. I look over and I'm like, I don't know too many people who shot a deer with one antler. All right, you're dead. Like, I'm sorry, buddy, but I need some confidence booster. And you're here, 20 yards, you're dead. (laughs) And shot him and he bounded off. And I saw him make one more big jump into the cedars and then crash. He didn't go 30 yards, I think. And then that's when I realized I'm almost two miles on this property. Didn't know. I I thought I was like 800 yards from the truck. No, I ended up being like 1.8 miles from the truck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. So I had to go. That's, that's him. Nice. I had to go back to the truck, get the deer cart, put my stuff up and then go get the deer and they go out. I think by the end of the day, it was like seven miles or something, but I got them quartered up and everything. I was like, well, no, I'm getting a hotel because now I'm soaked. I'm dirty. I need a shower. <laughs> Skipped a day. Uh, the next day, I did laundry for the first time in like 11 days and just hung out. Like I, I think I stayed at the hotel until probably three or four. And then I finally left and just went and glassed the property. From the road, I'm like 300 yards, no, more than that, probably seven or 800 yards, just glassing because it's real flat. And Not flat, but it's real open in that area. And I was on a high point, just on the main highway. I just pulled over to the side and started glassing. And then saw all these deer. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, I was on glass one of my buddies calls from Texas. He's like, hey, I just shot another buck. And I was like, sweet, man. Like, heck yeah, send me a picture. He's like, all oh, right, cool. I'm like three miles in here. So I'll send you a picture and I'll get back to the truck. I was like, all right, you have fun with that. And he ended up packing his deer out. And then the next day, I... oh. Oklahoma was a very expensive trip. So that day that I was glassing, I also dropped my Vortex Viper HDs, my expensive for me uh, glass. Yeah. Lenses. And it knocked out the right lens out of focus. So it wouldn't focus. So I was like using a binocular pretty much. So that next morning I went to the property where I was, went in that snowstorm and saw the deer in the wheat field. And I'm on the phone with Vortex. Vortex. Blasting with my big <laughs> monocular. And I'm like, hey, that's what happened. I'm sleeping at a gas station. Can you ship them there? And he's like, yeah. That's fine. We'll ship you a new pair. Just ship us those whenever you get a chance. They're like, right, cool. Like, first time I'd ever worked with Vortex Warranty. And it's pretty nice. I like yeah. brand new, brand new pair for no cost. And they overnighted me a pair of new binoculars. That's awesome. To my out-of-state trip that I was on. And, but there was a problem with that. That night, I ended up shooting a ten point out of that bottom, walking to the wheat field. Earliest I've ever shot a buck in my entire life it was four thirty, because I glassed that field all morning, and there was no point throughout the day where there wasn't a deer in the field. From sun up to sundown, there was at least one deer in the field. That's crazy and you have to to get there you have to obviously you can't walk you know over everything because you're skylined so you have to belly crawl across your high points so you're not skylined from the wheat field but the entire time you're going there you can see the entire ridge in front of you where they're bedded so you're having to not be seen from your left and look for deer from your right or like straight ahead of you and on the way in that night there was a buck pushing four does over the ridge. So I would have to stop, wait for him to move and get behind something and then move forward a little bit. And finally, this is maybe three quarters of a mile to the truck. And it took me like an hour and a half to get back there because I would just have to stop, go, stop, go. And I hit the bottom <laughs> and I sprinted across the bottom, through the creek up and in a tree. And within five minutes of being in the tree, I had three young bucks pushed and eight doe by me.
2: Jeez. It was-
1: nuts and then I look over to my left and I just see a frame walking over a bridge down to the bottom and I was like oh my whoo All right, that's a big deer that's what I came here for and he walks out and I was like that's it he looks so much bigger back there like what I'm still going to shoot you but he just looks so much bigger I would have swore he was like a 140 inch deer and he was 120 but he broke a brow off. So he's like one sixteen. It was disappointing, but it was cool. I, I shot two bucks on an out-of-state hunt, went back, I took yeah. one of the process that I used to work at. I cut, <laughs> I spent three days or two days working at the processing plant, cutting meat, getting some extra money so that I could buy my Missouri tag. Well, my Missouri out-of-state license, I still had like 10 days left on vacation. But my problem was, I called Vortex. and was like, "Hey, can you like hold off on shipping those binos to that address?" So I go, oh, "They're arriving today." It's like, "What? I ordered them last. Like, I talked to you yesterday, like twenty four hours ago." He's like, "Yeah, we overnighted them." So I had to drive all the way back to Western Oklahoma, which is like six hours, and then all the way to Missouri. So I had to go <laughs> west and go east. And I called the gas station. I was sleeping. I was like, look, I'm going to be there after y'all close. Can you just leave them outside for me? Small town. I don't think it was going to take them. It'll be fine. Well, I get there and they're not there. They're like, yeah, we'll leave them on the icebox. Is what they said. Well, the binos aren't there. I'm like, oh my God. Because if the binoculars aren't there, I have to sleep there, waste a whole day just so I can get my binos. Yeah. There's a truck there. That's still running just out front, and I'm knocking on the door, and he walks up. So like, I can help you. I explained everything. Ends up being the owner of the gas station, and he comes outside of the box. I'm like, oh, thank you, God. And he's like, I don't know why they put them inside on top of the ice box inside on the fountain drinks. I don't know how they expected you to get those, but yeah, here you go. And I like told him just you know, real grateful. Thank you you're for allowing me to sleep here, you know, because yeah. they don't you go i travel a lot to hunt and i try to not stay at campsites try to save money sleep in gas stations parking lots somewhere And they don't have to let you do it but i typically try to call a day or two in advance just say hey this is who i am this is where i'm coming from this is what i'm doing can i sleep in your parking lot at night i'm only going to yeah. be there while y'all are closed pretty much i'm not going to be hanging out there during the day and typically they're okay with it um Told him thank you. He was real nice. Went on my way. I think I got to Lebanon at like 4.30 in the morning.
0: All right, guys. If you enjoy this show and you want to know how to make your own, I'm going to tell you about something called Anchor. It's an app that I've been using ever since I started, and it's completely free. Like I said, I've used it from the get-go, and I haven't had to pay a single penny to distribute my podcast through this app. They've got creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone, tablet, computer, so you don't have to get a bunch of fancy equipment in order to get started. Now, you can also add songs directly from Spotify into your episodes. So, I mean, you can create whatever you want, something that nobody's ever heard before, and it's so easy. Just click and drag. Anchor is also going to help you distribute your podcast, and so you don't have to upload it to all of these different platforms. Anchor can be that central hub that your podcast goes out to all of the other platforms through, and you can make money without any minimum listenership. So, I mean, you heard that right. You can actually start making money right away, no matter how many listeners you have. So what I'm getting at is it's basically everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: I slept at uh, Walmart. I think there's a Walmart over there. If there's not a Walmart Lebanon, that's not where I was. Yeah. But because I slept at Walmart parking lot. Fell asleep, woke up the next morning, ate at Waffle House, and then we just went and drove around scouted. And yeah, the rest of the Missouri trip was rough. I had by the time I decided on a property, I was like, this is the property I'm hunting. I had rabbit hunters in there every single day with like one dude jumped out with like six dogs. Yep. And I'm like, Hey, where y'all go? He's like, Oh, we're going to hold property. Why? You sure? Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm going to just go screw myself over here then. So y'all have fun. Yeah. And it was a rough trip. I didn't see much. And then came home. Got a wild hair and was like, "I want to go back to Missouri." I was at home for like two days. Called one of my buddies, who's from uh, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts. One, two. uh, they're all the same up there. <laughs> uh, and I was like, "Hey, you want to come hunt with me in Missouri? You got vacation time. You always talk about how you have vacation time. So come on." I said, "All right, let me talk to my wife." Like. 10 minutes later, he's like, yeah, I'm going to sleep. Well, I can't get off work because we already have too many people off, but we only have too many people off on a 12-hour stretch on my first day on. So there's 12 hours on day one. The first 12 hours of the 48 is the only reason I can't go. No one will trade with me. No one will work for me because all the entirety of one ship is going on a guided duck hunt three and a half hours away. There's one guy that was out that had COVID. And he's like, if I get uh, cleared to come back to work in time, then I'll come work for you. Yeah. I was like, so I told Mike, I was like, look, there's a small chance that I'm actually going to be able to stay for the whole eight days. So we can drive up there. I got four days off. Normally we can drive up a day, hunt two days and drive back the next day. It's like, all right, yeah, let's do it. Screw it. There's two of us. We can make it work. The initial drive out there took 19 hours from having to go get him and pack up. And then he's a veteran. So he has to get his license out of Bass Pro or Cabela's because they have to do the disabled because he's out of state, but he gets an in-state tag because he's a disabled veteran. Yeah. State price everything. All that was 19 hours. Got there, slept for a little bit. Also got pulled over on the way there. And trooper looked very confused as to why we were there and not hunting in texas and uh like totally different area i was 15 minutes from iowa up near uh lancaster area yep. we saw so many freaking deer
0: we were seeing like 30 deer a day each dude that northern part of missouri is
1: a crazy. whole different world like why didn't anyone tell me this from the beginning <laughs> Like I saw, I think eight deer over 140 inches in eight days. Yep. And I would, and all of those were within 100 yards. Like if I it was, I was there during muzzleloader season. If I would have had a muzzleloader, both him and I would be done on day two.
0: Yeah, they're stupid. Northern Missouri is like the most underrated place in the country, man.
1: It's nuts. I, like we showed up, and I was like, "This is great." Here's deer. Like, you can't walk without bumping deer. Yep. Because they're bedded in all the, I don't know what y'all call them. I called them thorn berries. All these just like super thick thorns, but they got these little berries on Mm them. And they would bed in the thorns on the ridge, eat everything around them, stand up, walk 10 feet, re bed, eat everything around them. They did that all day long. Yep. It was not like you cannot walk without bumping deer. It was stupid. And I had one buck that was 140-inch eight-point, but he had broke off a lot on one of his sides. So I bet he was probably 120, 125, probably 18 and wide, super tall. And I see him, and I grunt, just real aggressive. And I look over, and I just see legs walking towards me. I'm like, oh, God, he's coming. And he stops at 40 yards right behind his branch. And the branch that's blocking is the tree that I debated sitting in. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I just I had a fifty-fifty shot, and I screwed it up. I picked the wrong tree. If I had picked that tree, I'd be done. He'd be dead. But no. And that's it. That's all. I, that was the closest I got, and it was, it sucked, But at the same time, it was like, man, I've never seen that many big deer in my life. It was cool. Good spot it was for the
0: next time. What
1: a uh, in November? Uh, December.
0: Oh, December. Sorry. What What are your total plans for the year? Where all are you trying so, to find-
1: They've changed. So I was North Dakota from the 5th, and I got back yesterday, um, which was what? The 19th? And then October 19th through the November 1st, I'm going back to North Dakota to try to fill this tag. If I fill it quick enough, I'll go ahead and buy my Oklahoma license and hunt Oklahoma for the rest of the time and then go to Oklahoma from November, like just mid-November, I don't remember the dates, and then Missouri uh, like uh, mid-December, mid right okay. before the muslin starts. But I was planning on doing a mule deer hunt in Nebraska in October, but I just don't have the glass for it. I've got a pair of 8 by 42 binos, that's it. So yeah. glassing, it I deal with it and I don't want to go drop three grand on glass between a spotting scope and binos right now so next year I'll plan mule deer hunts and then I was going to go to Arizona for mule deer in January but the tag's like 500 bucks, 600 bucks and we're doing a, a class through work that I'm going to take so I'm not going to be able to take off just because I have to go get this certification through work during that time oh, Okay, but still enough like i think i've still got like 50 days of hunting out of state just out of state and i'll probably hunt 15 to 20 days in texas that's awesome
0: how many how many of the places that you're going out of state have you been before like are these all repeat hunts
1: north dakota's not oklahoma and missouri are but killed a deer in missouri could have but i didn't and then I killed two bucks in Oklahoma last year, and this was my first year going North Dakota.
0: Okay. Are those, are um, those properties that you've actually been to? Uh,
1: I'm, go- yeah, I'm going back. Oklahoma, Missouri, I'm going back to the same ones, yeah. Okay, cool. But North Dakota, Um, for anyone that lives in North Dakota, I don't know how you live there or why you live there, but that place is barren. Oh, my God, dude. I've... It, Everything closes at like six. (laughs) It's so dumb. Like, you get out of the woods, all the gas stations are closed, bars are closed, that or they just don't have food. (laughs) I walked into a bar, asked, I was like, Do you have food? She said, Yeah, pizza. Can I get one? You want me to cook it? Preferably, please. She pulls out a frozen pizza, and I was like, What do you mean do I want you? (laughs) It's frozen. And then I found out, like, after being in there a little bit, that's where people go to buy their cases of beer because the gas stations can't sell them. <laughs> they also sold frozen pizza to sell with there. So it made more sense. But, like, the closest town to where I was that had anything open past six o'clock was 45 minutes away. Jeez. I would probably four or five nights. I'd get out, like, gas stations, bars. They had an actual, um, Grocery store. That was the closest place. Forty minutes. What and
0: what, then? What kind of uh, rig? What kind of rig are you hunting out of when you're going? Are you just in your truck?
1: Yeah, I'm just in my truck. I have a 2018 Ram 1500 with a bed cap and then a deck system. And then the 2018 Rams, the seats fold up and there's under seat storage that has a platform that folds out. So you lift your seats up, you fold this platform out, and it's flat. Nice. So I sleep in the cab on a sleeping pad and then keep all my gear in the bed. I was sleeping in the bed because I had a tundra last year, but it just doesn't regulate temperature as good as the cab does in like the winter when it's cold. Yep. Uh, so I started sleeping in the cab last year and that's what I'm going to do this year or probably from now on until I get a camper. If I get a camper, I'll get like a small one, but I just don't, I'm not fond of the idea right now because you're kind of restricted as to where you can go yeah whereas right now i can sleep anywhere because i'm sleeping
0: in my truck yep you need to you need to look at getting a generator or something that way you can just bring food with and warm it up that way when you're in north dakota and nobody sells food you can yeah
1: um i have a lot more faith in myself apparently to have the energy or the desire to cook when i get out of the woods because i meal prepped stuff Vacuum sealed it, brought a little propane burner. I didn't cook any of it. I cooked, I ate maybe five or six of those meals and the rest of them got ruined because ice would melt and I'd forget to drain it and the water would get in the bags. Spent another like 80 bucks on food. I cooked like four times. Dang. Just when I get out of the woods at 930, by the time I take down my stand, pack out, undress, I don't cook. Yeah. So from now we're gonna be um just dehydrated meals peak yeah. refuel whatever else the crap it is mountain house stuff like that because i'd much rather have to boil water and hydrate something rather than actually cook because by the time i cook breakfast i would cook clean up and it'd be like 45 minutes I just don't
0: want to do that when I'm hunting. That's yeah. the last thing I want. Yeah, I just ma- want to go and hunt. The mountain house meals, and uh, I make these, or I say I, my wife makes these thousand calorie bars, and it's got like Ooh. honey and oats and peanut butter, and I mean everything in the
1: oh, okay.
0: under the kind of like the
1: energy balls you can make.
0: Yeah, it's like that, except these turn out to be. I mean, you just cook them on a sheet, and uh, you can cut them into whatever size you want, but. That's what I live off of. Like when I go out west hunting, I do 1,000-calorie bars in Mountain House. And even uh, you can get those pasta sides or the rice side packets, and you can get like chicken teriyaki flavor, buttered noodles or whatever. I mean, there's so many different Uh, things, and they're like 99 cents a piece at Walmart. And same type of deal. Cook it just like you would a Mountain House meal.
1: Yeah, I just had more faith in myself that I'd actually want to cook. Yeah. Because I was like the mo- main reason we didn't want to cook in Missouri, we did the same thing in Missouri. The second time we went is it was like less than 20 degrees every time we got finished hunting, and neither one of us wanted to stand outside and cook in that. Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up eating out at Casey's, eating, pretty much living off of Casey's Pizza the entire time we were in Missouri. Hey, that's not a bad life. It's not, but I gained, like, 15 pounds by the time I got back.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I felt like,
1: absolute like, crap. But, yeah, so I'm going to end up just getting dehydrated meals and living off that for the rest of the year, probably. Because that's my big thing. Like, especially as it gets darker earlier, I don't mind cooking it, you know, when I get out of the woods at 8 o'clock. Yeah. But by the time I'm doing that, it's freaking cold outside. So that's the only reason I'm looking really at getting it. Like a small camper, like a twelve foot camper. As small as I can get with we'll still having a kitchen inside. Yeah. Like I want a teardrop camper, but the kitchens are outside. It's the whole reason I want a camper so my kitchen can be inside. So have you thought about a sprinter it, van? I have. they I don't know. I'm not made of money and they're expensive. <laughs> my, they're expensive. My wife and I just
0: uh renovated a sprinter van or a TV like competition. Uh, did y'all ago? renovate that one? What's that?
1: The one y'all, the one y'all took up. Uh, where'd y'all go? Washington? No. Or- so that
0: one that one we were given by a company. They wanted us to go test it out for them. And so they're like, hey, okay. take this for a week. Check it out. Tell us what you would change, what you would keep, all that. And so we didn't renovate that one. But we were on a TV show out in Colorado where our team renovated a van one team renovated uh, a school bus, and then one renovated an RV. And the van community, like, we met so many cool people. I want to get a van so bad now because you can do anything and everything with them. I mean, you can have the full kitchen in it. You can have a rooftop deck that you use for glassing on top. I mean, you can do all kinds yeah. of stuff. So, There's,
1: I just am by far the least – um handyman I know. Yeah. And, like if I need something built, I go to my roommate because he grew up like building crap. He knows how to weld. I will mess up measuring wood to cut. That's <laughs> just happened. I had to we were building deer blind. He's like, I need these like eighteen inches long. I cut three different ones that came out three different lengths. I don't know <laughs> how. I were really don't. I was like, dude I'll just watch. That's funny. You do this. Yeah. So i want one. I just don't know how to do any of it. Yeah. Like zero knowledge whatsoever.
0: So I'd rather go spend
1: and on an RV and call it good. I I just want to hunt. Like I was so tired after North Dakota and I'm up there by myself. So between being tired and just discouraged, because I'd seen bucks every day, passed on a buck on day three, passed on two bucks day three. And then it went downhill like I was still staying on. I just wasn't having shot opportunities. I was jumping around a lot. And was like, I just wanna go home. Then by the time I finally I stayed my entirety of my trip. I didn't go home early. I was like halfway home, I was like, Man, I wanna go hunt. Like, what do you mean? I just left. Like I couldn't wait to get home. No, I don't want to go home. And I got home, I was like, Yeah, I don't like this. I wanna go back. Yeah. the whole trip, so it's fourteen hundred miles one way from where I was hunting from my apartment. So 2,800 miles. This tells you how much I just, I drove around in North Dakota. My trip odometer ended just over 4,000 miles Jeez. in 14 days. So I drove 1200 miles just in North Dakota, looking at properties, looking for deer. Uh, my truck's got an hour. like tells you how many hours you were like the truck was running 81 hours it's a 20 hour drive gosh that's it's a long time yeah for real like, just driving man like i saw those two big deer on day one and two i just wanted something bigger like i see these people shooting toads and I'm, i just want to find one you know like I should have shot the eight point on day three. So if I would have shot the eight point on day three, I would have been in Nebraska for, you know, 10 days. So, cause that was the plan. If I shot one, then I was going to go to Nebraska. Yeah. If I would have shot that one on day three, I was sitting there, he's 24 yards, slightly quartering away. I could see his vitals. Perfect. I was like, Oh, you're not making this easy. Cause so I just <laughs> I'm like, I can leave here. I can go hunt Nebraska already. But it's just not what I want. And by day five, I was like, "He is exactly what I'm looking for." Is that deer that I passed on? Yep. It's just, man. Like I said, that that ten point with triple splits was probably one of the, I mean, the coolest deer I've ever seen, in person. I just, I got turned around. I got to a glassing point right at last light. Just happened to look over and was like, "What the hell?" Because he had just come from. he, he like past where i walked i was like if i would have been 10 minutes before i probably would have shot that deer because yeah. he walked with 30 yards of where i sat for like five minutes just kind of looking around i don't know where he came from either i caught him last glance as he went into the tree line coming from the opposite direction and then i saw him pop back out looking at the bottom don't know where he went after that because huge and then went back in there to hunt him once Saw doe and left and never came back.
0: Man, well, it it's, sounds it sounds like you've got your work cut out for you this year again. I mean, there's people people underestimate the work that goes into traveling and hunting, like between oh, scouting, yeah. getting set up, the drive time, the food, the actual hunt itself, and then it's not like you have buddies that you can call and be like, Hey, man, I need help with this deer two miles yeah. in. Well, you might be two miles in and you might need help with a deer, but you're 1,200 miles away from the closest person you can call.
1: So it's, but it's, you know, I work two jobs all year long for this. Yeah. I work all year pretty much, I work 18 to 20, 24-hour days every month. All year, just so I can have money to take off. For this few months, yep. Like the whole deer season planning started in April, and originally I wasn't going to North Dakota; I was going to Kentucky. And I just never got like super excited. It was more of a dread. Like I'm not looking forward to this, and I look forward to the heat. Yeah, and I look forward to snakes. Like I'm not looking forward from going to Texas to Texas with topography, basically. Yep, and. I had watched something and North Dakota popped into my head, and I was like, "Oh no, I didn't think of that." That's a great idea. It's cooler. It's more open. So what I? It's I like hunting that type of terrain. I'm going there, and as soon as I decided that I am going to North Dakota, I got excited. That's cool. So it um it was fun. I can't say I'd ever visit there for just fun because it's not super. I, got, I did not enjoy North Dakota as a whole. I enjoyed the hunting there aspect of it but the people are pretty rude um where i was at least it was a very like just get your stuff get out i don't want to talk to you like Mm. here's your chips leave yeah no one really wanted to just hold conversations with you the farmers would the farmers were pretty nice but as far as everyone like in town yeah they were pretty rude and then dude on my way out so i left i hunted that last night and then i was driving just to south dakota to uh get a jump on the drive basically i went through uh fargo which is one of their like bigger towns yep i went three or four different places to find food i went to a taco bell this is like 11 11 30 yeah i think it was like 11 30 taco bell probably had 30 to 40 cars in the drive through line uh mcdonald's was closed Casey's was closed all their all they had open was their gas pumps finally found the loves went to loves walked in there were probably 20 people on the subway line said screw it grabbed an energy drink uh some taquitos off the hot roller and a bag of M&M's and went on my way and made it to like just north of uh Brookings I just no probably just south of Sioux, uh, Sioux City okay probably 40 miles and just found a rest stop and then woke up and finished the drive. But yeah, I was like, I state sucks. There's nothing. It's just desolate. <laughs> like even the towns, like you have towns that are so small. They don't have gas stations and they're 40 minutes apart. Yep. It's nuts. It really is the whole different way of living up there. Yeah. It's crazy. I didn't like it. <laughs> I can tell so far. It's been my favorite maybe because I'd shot deer, but I'd say the people in Missouri have been, we probably some of the nicest. Yeah. The hospitality
0: really- here in Missouri is pretty good. Uh, people are, people are typically pretty fr- friendly here. Missouri is yeah. big enough to have like all your normal big city stuff, but small enough to feel like small town. And that's what we, t- yeah. that's what we say about Springfield all the time. It's like a really big, small town or a really small, big city. It's, yeah. it's got a good mix of everything.
1: Because it's not like even Springfield still got a lot of trees and it's not a big concrete jungle like Dallas or Houston. Oh, yeah. No, it's like, not I bad. I
0: mean, you can get anywhere in Springfield. I live I live like 10 minutes north of Springfield and I can get okay. anywhere in town in 30 minutes on any corner of the of the city. So,
1: And you're still tucked away on 20 acres? Yep. Yeah.
0: Well and and in the city, uh there's urban hunts throughout the year and there are deer everywhere in the city, and you can just go find like these tiny little chunks behind behind some company's warehouse, you know, or like a pallet. There might be a pallet place and they've got like a four thousand square foot warehouse and just tucked back behind that. There might be a wood lot that holds monsters.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. And I had found there's a park somewhere over there that's like a hundred acres and you can hunt it. Yep. And for a reason I talked to myself out of hunting it, but I feel like I should have at least get like gone and looked at it. because It's a freaking city park.
0: Yeah. You can get, so most of the, uh, of the parks or nature centers or, um, yeah, just like the public use areas, you can uh-huh. apply to get a tag for them. I've applied the last couple of years to two different places here haven't been drawn, but like one thing is you have to hunt from the ground. You can't hunt. You can't, you can't hang anything in a tree. Um, and then it's gotta be archery. And then you, some of them require you to take a class like a month before. And they talk about all the regulations that you have to follow inside of the
1: park. But if you uh, draw for it, it's worth it. Arkansas, I think. Arkansas is like an association, like an urban hunters association that you apply for and it's like you have to go to one mandatory like pre meeting with game wardens and you have to qualify with a shooting. Hmm. Sure. Interesting. Like twenty you have to be able to probably just hit a target basically. I'd assume not much to it. But yeah, I want to do one of those urban hunts. Tennessee would be a fun one. Yeah, Tennessee has the on all the lakes. That'd be a blast.
0: Man, they have all over the country. I hear people getting into urban hunting and it's cool and all, but also I'm like, man, I just like getting away from people. And so when I can get out and not hear vehicles going by, not hear people yelling or kids, you know, or an ice cream truck or, or whatever, like, I just like to get out in a way and I joke yeah. with people all the time. I'm like, you could drop me in the middle of nowhere, the most remote place in any state, and I'd be way happier than if I was like right downtown where I could go to Qdoba or, you know, yeah. go get an energy drink, go watch a movie. No, put me, put me where I won't see another human being.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, I will say, I want like one friend with me or something Just drop me off with someone to talk to enough nicotine and caffeine to get me through and i'm happy that i i'll deal with the rest oh i hate people like i've worked with people for work like that's what my career is so when i'm not at work i like to be alone it's kind of my like debriefing i'm away from people i don't have to be in the public eye it's relaxing yeah same time both my texas bucks or yeah two of my texas bucks out of Sam Houston. I could see my truck. Dang. I was right on. Through. Yeah. So, but then there's my other buck that I shot a mile and a half back on Texas public. And then I'm convinced this is the year that I'm actually going to hunt Sam past October because my Sam buck last year was opening day with okay. three minutes left of legal light. Yeah. I have a, a rule now. Cause I hate walking through the woods and it dark especially mainly in Texas because we have hogs yeah. and poison snakes that I've walked up on multiple times. And two of my buddies have been run over by hogs at night. <laughs> yeah. My roommate took one to the knee, like an 80 Jeez. pound fur missile just running right past and He's lucky it wasn't a boar with hooks, probably would have cut him open. But yeah, it just kind of adds a little bit of a nerve. Racking deal, especially when a lot lot of our stuff is really thick, and if you're going to get anywhere, you're probably going to have to crawl at least some, yeah, through thorns, just something, and that's where the hogs are. So, but like when I'm in Oklahoma, uh, Missouri, I don't have to worry about hogs. Um, It's a full, it's relaxing, but here it's kind of stressful. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's not bad. But I used to not sit till dark. Like if it was, you know, ten minutes left, legal light, I hadn't seen anything, I just get down. And then shot that buck uh, right before legal light ended, and I was like, all right, like you're never getting down while it's still legal light. Cause that, that deer on opening daylight here, year, I'd already taken my arrow off and put it in my quiver. Hadn't seen anything. And then I heard leaves crunch put it back on the string, look over, and this buck's at eight yards looking up at me, bounds to 18, and stops broadside staring at me. And I'm like, yeah, he did. Oh Shot him, gosh. looked at my phone. It, it was dark. I could barely see. And I looked at my phone, I was like, I've got three minutes left to leave the light. It was nuts, so I just won't get down. Like, it sucks, but it's, I mean, you look like the hunting beast. It's stay till dark. Like yep. it, it de- for, deters a lot of people is they don't like walking through the woods at night. Yeah. Sucks. It, especially depending on where you are. Sometimes it's long. One of my places I hunted in North Dakota where I saw that moose, that was a 10 mile day. Uh, by the time I finally found a oak, this patch of oaks on this ridge I hunted, I was four miles from the truck and had to do that in the woods and now i know there's a moose around i don't know what it's like to walk up on a moose at night but i'm sure it's not great to jump out of its bed it'd probably no. crap of my
0: yeah then, moose, I'm moose are not to be messed with man they take out people
1: oh yeah they're the size of a freight train they're huge yep so it's like you hate walking through the woods at night but those big bucks move right at last light so you have to stay and that's what I have I've learned to force myself because it's boring too and it's discouraging. You have to see anything all day. You're like, man, I don't to see anything right before dark. But that one percent of the chance you do. It's worth it. It's a good one. Oh yeah. And that's it's just so discouraging, especially for people who maybe are just getting into public land hunting. And you see all these hunting shows on TV and all this stuff. And you kind of have these expectations set based on what you've seen. And that's, that's not reality. The reality is that it sucks. We struggle. And especially depending on where you are, like Texas public land is its own monster. It's its own thing. Yeah, uh, There's a reason the hunting public hadn't come here. The element is the biggest. They're the only people I know that hunt Texas public land. I know where they hunt and it's the best public land in Texas. Um, Besides that, like they went to Sam Houston, the element did. And it was awesome to watch them walk out of Sam Houston and in their interview afterwards, say this place sucks. (laughs) How it was. And it's, it just really goes to show that it's not easy. Like, but it's, it's easier to get into public land hunting than I think a lot of people may think. Get on X. Read a book. Go walk around. Watch
0: That's some, really all it does. Watch some videos, yeah. I mean, public land, there's something to be said about it. And I think the public land movement, as far as archery goes, is going to compound over the next five years to where like, it's going to yeah. be hard to not run into people. And it already is in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. but. It's, it's yeah. tough for me cause I really want to get into public land hunting, but also I've got some phenomenal private land here that I'm like, I'm not going to drive a couple hours, do all this scouting, do all this stuff. When I know for a fact that I could go sit and have multiple encounters. Um, I guarantee
1: I say, though, you could find a piece of MRAP land within an hour and a half from your house that will be better than what you have. Because that MRAP, that property we're seeing all those deer on, that was MRAP land. Yeah. And MRAP is, so you have small things like that. MRAP, OAP, plots. It's private land leased to the state to make public. Yeah. Overlooked. Most overlooked form of public land in any state is some sort of small piece like that because it's not advertised like the big WMAs are. Yep. everyone knows wmas but unless you dig and actually do your research you're not gonna know that stuff even exists yeah so that that's what i hunt i won't hunt big wmas i haven't shot a deer on a wma outside of texas i'll so have to small, check in that
0: i i yeah. found the smallest I... pieces i I've got this curse where it's like, I just do things that I get comfortable with. Like I go to the same restaurants every time I go out because I'm like, I just know I like that food. Why would I try something different? I know this is good. Why don't change it if it isn't broken, you know? And it's the same thing with hunting. I'm like, man, I've got all these private land chunks and they're great. And I know where I can go sit and I know where the deer are going to come from. I know the predominant wind direction. And I'm like, man, it just seems like so much work to go. But I, I say the – it seems like so much work. I love the adventure side of hunting mm-hmm. and, like, just putting in work and being totally surprised with what you end up uh, oh, like yeah. finding. I really want to take a boat out onto some public land chunks here, like, within an hour of where I live because there's some huge lakes that you can just get back into these coves and on these fingers and we duck hunt yep. those spots for, we public land duck hunt a lot. And I'll get back there in the fall and there's buck sign everywhere. And I'm like, man, I should really come hunt this. And then I never do.
1: Yeah. Well, it seems like you have enough hunting going on also. So between traveling and hunting, because you yeah. travel quite a bit too, don't you?
0: Yeah. I mean, we travel all the time, some for hunting, some not, but hopefully yeah, soon it'll all the... be for hunting.
1: You got the life. You got every man's dream. You got a wife that supports you and gives you the green light. It's been
0: it's been good. I'm blessed for sure. Um, we still put in our fair share of work and there's plenty of days nice. like the other day we were up until 3 a.m. working on this RV renovation and I was just like, "Why? This sucks. I hate this." Yeah. But then she's like she'll just be like, "Hey, it's all right. We're almost done with this and it's hunting season." And I'm like, Oh, yes, it's hunting season.
1: Yeah, that that sentence makes any crappy thing better. It does. You it get really... to hunt, you're like, oh.
0: Yes. You're right. It's you the, right hunt. at the end of the tunnel, man.
1: Oh, it is. I mean, that's I mean, crap. Man, I've ruined a lot of relationships over, like, just hunting. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's been my long longest term relationship was a girl I planned on marrying and she hated that I hunted so much. And I was like, this isn't going to work because this is my life. <laughs> yeah. This is what I do. You, and you feel like you're competing with it. It's not going to work. So, I mean, I haven't been in a relationship for two and a half years, but I to travel and hunt close to a hundred days every fall. Yeah. And I also, now that I'm working two jobs, I've added it up. I'm actually home. Maybe seventy days a year that's so
0: crazy man oh yeah you, you just need to you need to get out of your place, go van life full time right. and then you'll save a ton of money on rent you're not in your house anyways, and now you've got everything you need for when you're traveling
1: right hey that's I always joke once my roommate find something else or like we move out i'll probably just get an rv yeah sleeping somewhere but i mean i'm trying to get out of texas anyways um i've looked but my job's kind of restricting as to where i go because paid firefighting is not something around the nation it's a very small percentage of fire departments that are actually full paid uh most of them are so Nebraska and Iowa are the two that I've looked at to where I wouldn't take huge pay cuts. Yeah. Um, and I'll end up, If I move anywhere, it'll probably be Iowa, so that I can hunt Iowa as a resident every year. That'd be awesome. Uh, but I just want to be more centralized in the United States because I travel so much. I'd rather it be a 10-hour drive compared to a 20-hour drive. Because a 10-hour drive's very doable yep. in a day. 24-hour drive, it's, it sucks. Man, Springfield. I know I'm
0: biased because I live here, but I've already got plenty of connections in the firefighting world. And uh, uh, yeah. you can get Everything. everywhere. You can get everywhere like that quick. I mean, even Colorado, we went all the way to the southern part of Colorado. It was like 12 hours. I go up to Wisconsin for white tail season every year, 11 hours. Um, you can get out to yeah. like South Carolina in, I think, 13 hours. So you I mean you can hit like twenty yeah. states in a half a day of driving.
1: Oh uh, that's nice. Yeah yeah. Got some toads, but they're hard to hunt. They're tucked away in the swamps. Yeah. But they're I mean that's the number one. I looked yesterday, it's the number one in Boone and Crockett State. Dang. For like, and then I was three, I don't remember what two was. Uh, maybe Missouri, I don't know. But yeah. I don't yeah maybe in Kansas I don't know but Iowa has some giants I mean it's a it's a draw that's maybe once every three years for non-resident I'm yeah. pretty sure resident the tag every year um yeah I would love to hunt Iowa's my home state Man. but there you have like Des Moines then you have rap Cedar Rapids
0: Rapid City rap-
1: Rapid City yeah and then you have Iowa City yeah just south of would realistically where I would want to apply because it's still a pretty small town, but it's almost a hundred thousand people. But it's not like this size of the Des Moines. Yeah. So and they all pay relatively similar to what I get paid now. Nice. So I just want out of the heat, and I want a state that's actually good for public land hunting. Yep. This really is. It's horrible. It's like less than ten percent of our land is made public. Jeez, yeah, that sucks. Right. I can't. we have, I couldn't do that. Thugs. yeah it's it's rough like the know, social media ruins public land around here like crazy because there's facebook pages with thirty thousand people on them that's just republic land and the place where i shot my second buck in 2019 um from november to january i saw one other deer hunter dang Mormon
0: that's awesome like
1: like actually hunting or 30 something like that I went last year in 2020 and saw more trucks and people in three days than I did in two and a half months the year before gosh yeah it's tough And it's just it's social media like it got out and every I'd see that place posted online I'm like let's take it off it off. Just do your own research. Quit asking people about it, though. For real. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, it's it's not hard to go and look at, at success pictures. And if people forget to take the location off of, like, the pictures when they take them, uh, like, you can just click on the picture and know exactly where they were. And yeah. I think a lot of hunting spots get busted that way.
1: Oh, yeah. it's takes taking the wrong person there one time. Yeah. One person seeing you there telling one person about it and it's over just word of mouth
0: oh it's a wildfire
1: aren't willing to do their own work they want the easy way out yep but and they have the hunting community is a funny thing it really is between light arrow heavy arrow mechanical fixed blade shoot this don't shoot that that's too big That's too small why do you trophy hunt what do you meat hunt Yep. it's in such a small community, there's so much division. Yeah. Like, you know, especially the deer thing, She what makes you happy. It wasn't always that way either. I mean, I think, I think
0: as the trend of the country gets more divided every, it's going to make more division in everything. But I feel like there's going to be a shift back and people are going to be more understanding again. It always does that. It'll, it's the pendulum swing. It'll be, really yeah. bad for a little while and then hopefully people realize how ridiculous that is and that
1: you don't have hopefully. to do things exactly the same way. Yeah, like I'd say because there, and it's just there's so many variables, especially on like, it, just an archery. Yeah. Air, stuff like that, like yeah, you look at science a heavier arrow is going to carry more momentum. It's going to carry through an animal more. Yep. speed, Matter. I'd rather get have a marble chunked at me rather than have a brick lobbed at me. That brick's gonna hurt a lot more. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to look. If you're hunting Texas whitetail that are 120 pounds, it doesn't matter if you're shooting a 400 grain broadhead. You're zipping through it. Yeah. You're gonna shoot a 250 pound northern deer. You may want something a little heavier, a little slower. Oh yeah. You, you're going to shoot pronghorn. You may want something a little quicker. They're fast animals. You're going to shoot elk that don't duck, log whatever you want. As long as you have the distance and you have the sight tape and you're still shooting at a speed where you have the availability to shoot your further distances, yeah, shoot a heavy arrow. They're not gonna duck like a deer is. Yeah. You know, or even like my one of my buddies is the worst about it. Just you shot that small thing. Have you seen your wall? Have you seen the little 80-inch eight-point you have shoulder-mounted, Mike? All right. Like, the other day on Facebook, he had, someone had posted on the Saddle Hunter Facebook page what, like, you on you know, in the stand. I just had the cliff bar. Well, last year, Mike's the one that went to Missouri with me, and I just bought a bunch of Little Debbies for the road trip. I love Little Debbies. I'm a fat boy. And uh, he was like, oh, you mean Little Debbies? I was like, no. No man, I get way too into it when I eat those. That's just for traveling. He goes, and so why you didn't why you didn't kill something? And how many days you were there? It's like Cause I didn't want my wall to look like yours, Mike. That's why <laughs> past on deer, unlike you, Which, like I say, he's from New England. So that whole brown it's down. It's a big thing up there. Oh yeah, people past deer, they see it, they shoot it.
0: Yep. No, that's that's a common theme. I think every state's got their region inside of the state where it's brown It's down and. I mean, like I, if you're hunting for meat, man, go for it. Shoot whatever makes you happy. And I tell people that all the time. I give my buddies crap all the time about shooting small deer. But at the same time, I don't care that much. Like it doesn't affect me. If it's, if it's on a property that's shared and like, there's a, an understanding, like you only shoot deer this size, this age, whatever. That's a whole different thing. But like, if you're just hunting your own property or public land, Man, just go out and take what makes you happy as long as it's legal. Yeah.
1: Not just that, if you only get to hunt ten days a year. Oh yeah. You don't need to pass on this six point shoot it. For real. If I get to hunt. And that's another like, yeah, I was frustrated in North Dakota. I didn't shoot anything. But also really need to take like a step back and just look at how much I get to hunt. Yeah. There's a reason I pass that buck, and it's because I get to hunt almost hundred days a year, I can pass that deer. I I'll have so many other options compared to if this was my only trip all year long and I only get to hunt 30 days a year, I, I would have shot em.
0: Yeah.
1: but I get to hunt more than 98% of people. So there's no sense in my mind. I know I'll have another opportunity. I know I'll get to go back and have this other chance. Whereas someone that doesn't have that to shoot it. Yep. doesn't matter. What I pass on that necessarily mean you have to pass on, and what you shoot doesn't mean that's what I have to shoot. I hate just how judgmental people are. Just be happy. They're, you know, I've seen my buddies more excited to shoot a spike than I've ever been to shoot a bigger buck. Yep. Like, my mates, I he shot his first spike with a gun, first buck, and he was pumped. Like, I've never seen – it was – awesome and i've i've shot deer bigger much bigger than that since and i've never acted like that yeah seeing the excitement the fun thats what it's all about just bringing people together in the outdoors and at the end of the day it's about the meat
0: yeah the only the only right way to go about hunting is to have fun like if you're not having fun you're doing it wrong
1: i wasn't having fun (laughs) I, i put way too much pressure on myself and stress because i'm like man i gotta get it done i gotta shoot a deer yeah. but then you start hard it's like anything just go out, have fun everything else is gonna fall into place yep. as we start trying harder you really overcomplicate things hunting at a sense is really simple yep. it's hard to find the things to make it simple but you find sign, you find deer. Yep, it's It's not easy. Yeah, like it's, and it. That really is early season when they still have their velvet. You look for poop. That's really it, and crushed acorns, maybe in some empty acorn shells, something that shows they've been feeding. But that you're looking for fresh poop. Deer, when you actually sit there and watch them feed, they poop a lot. Yeah. You're like, God dang, you ate that acorn three minutes ago. It just came out of your butt. <laughs> like, it's nuts. You watch one acorn flat in a poop like four times, and you're like, God dang. So, if you're finding like one little pebble poop here, they're probably not there. Yeah. But you walk do an area where they're actually like heavily at, and you just look around, it's poop everywhere. Yeah. That's a place to hunt, you know, start looking for your rubs once that velvet comes off. Start looking for your fresh rubs. Coming into October, start. that's when you really start seeing your buck sign. You know, you start seeing more rubs, more rub lines, more scrapes, more scrape lines. And then after that, from then on up until late season, it's looking for buck sign, scrapes and rubs. And then even then, like I'm not just looking for poop. There's a difference between buck poop and doe poop. Yep. And there's a big difference. You can tell, you can look at it and be like, that was a buck or that was a doe. So it's knowing what to look for and the time of year to look for it. Because if you're looking for rubs or scrapes in September, Samantha or
2: Samantha Matthews?
1: You're not, you're not going to find it. Yeah. So, And then vice versa, like January, December, if you're looking for fresh rubs and fresh scrapes, you're probably not going to find it because they're out of that phase. So it's yeah. just knowing what to look for and when yeah
0: well man i think we've both got our work cut out for us this year i'm i'm excited to catch up with you again probably in a month or two and just kind of hear how your trips have been going um where you found success and um maybe even get you out here to missouri and we can tag team a public land hunt or something
1: i would say we could uh I'll be driving right by where you live when I go to Missouri. Nice. So I'll be, say hi. Yeah. Drop in. Get I'll,
0: I'll come put you in a tree stand for an afternoon.
1: All right. That sounds good. Cool. Um, there's a, so real quick there, if for anyone that's listening, that's new to hunting. Um, there's a website called NewHunter.org. Uh, it's run by two brothers out of Nebraska um through identical draw and what it is you go to the website you sign up and there's mentors listed for each state each mentors had a background check done but they're there for new hunters to ask questions and just to get a mentor in hunting say hey i'm looking nice. to get into hunting um so if anyone's looking to get into hunting, but they don't really know where to start newhunter.org is a great place to do it. Um, all the guys on there are super nice. And then if anyone has questions, they want to get a hold. like if you're in Texas or something or anywhere else that I'm going and you have, if you have anything that will help me or you want help, uh, my Instagram is true.grit outdoors. Um, I'm always looking for people to talk to and help because that's the whole, purpose of why i'm trying to get more into the outdoor uh, media side is just to help people realize how simple hunting really is yeah and like you said it's supposed to be fun so anyone either you just want to follow along with me traveling or you have questions or just want to talk hunting i'm always on instagram so just shoot me a message and then head over to uh, newhunter.org and try to find someone to help get into hunting with
0: Nice, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you hopping on this. This might go down as our longest podcast ever, but I feel like we could continue to talk for three more hours about hunting stories and strategies and trips coming up. So um, we'll definitely have to do multiple more of these and stay connected throughout the season and figure out what we need to change in order to connect with the big buck
1: sure maybe you can uh head up to that farm with me in december that'd be awesome yeah it's a fun time
0: let's uh let's keep in touch on that and um thanks again man and that is gonna wrap it up for today's episode i hope you guys enjoyed that one because i definitely had a good time chatting with dylan and hearing what he's been up to chasing big whitetails all over the country and i'm kind of jealous i mean did you hear how much time he spends out in the woods chasing these animals. That's a whole different level of commitment, but I think he's got a lot of big bucks in his future. I think he's going to go places and hopefully he can connect with some, uh, monster white tails here this season. I hope you guys are getting out too, because I've been getting out. I got out last night, um, saw some, saw some does. Even tonight, I took a quick bite ride on my e-bike and, uh, saw, three bucks three small bucks and I think like four does just right here around the property I've been kind of doing that every night with my kiddos they they're like hey can we go on a bike ride can we ride on your bike dad and we can help you find deer that we can and and then we can shoot them we can shoot the deer and I'm like yeah that's not quite how it works but we'll definitely drive around and take a look so I don't know. We'll see. I think we're going to get after some more deer here in Missouri in the coming days and weeks. And then hopefully that rut gets here before we know it. I mean, it's creeping up on us, but I've got a lot of big hunts planned in the near future. Uh, I hope you guys do too. And I hope you guys are finding success, even if it doesn't mean bringing home meat, um, just enjoying the outdoors in God's creation. So until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.